Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Liz Loza. Sitting beside me still is Matt Harmon. Please. Across from us. Please. What do you mean, please? You're thrilled that I'm here. I'm thrilled that Brett, our producer, is here. Thank you. You're thrilled that I'm here. You can keep telling yourself that, friend. I'm actually thrilled that we're going to have a guest on today's show. Yes, that's right. We have Roto World's Josh Norris. And a good a good personal friend of mine in the business, and uh, we're gonna have. I think we're gonna have a great time. I wouldn't know because we haven't talked to him yet, but I think we're gonna have a great time. Do you guys think you really lean into your friendship? No. Do you think you might talk a lot about like how you're bros and like break beers together? No, I don't think. I don't think so. I think it'll be. I don't know that I would say really lean into it. I would say maybe just like one like side tilt, like just a like to just make an sure. elbow, just sure. so people know we're pals. You got to know that. I mean, it's part of your hashtag brand right Knowing really all i'm not i'm not quite sure i think there. it's hard to say do you think that having pals is part of my brand when you strategically choose them yeah interesting i would i would generally <laughs> disagree with that huh. i don't know that i strategically choose friends i think i maybe they just choose you ah i think the universe chooses our friends for us wow we're talking about the universe now um you know who the universe has not been kind to the colts mm. Andrew Luck. Well, maybe the universe has been fair to them. And in fact, their medical staff, training staff, coaching staff has not been as perhaps thorough as they should have been. We for weeks have heard about this calf strain that Andrew Luck has been efforting through. But in fact, he was also like, uh, like a uh, part of my below my calf, lower than my calf has been hurting for three months. And nobody bothered to maybe look into an ankle issue. I mean, only in Indianapolis. Do you have to worry about like the owner going and popping off and like talking about a new injury or whatever? Also, though, and... I did appreciate the transparency. He was just sort of like, well, you know, I was getting the steak fries yeah. at uh, St. Elmo's and we missed it. Yep. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jim. Um, I thought Chris Ballard was pretty like transparent in his uh, conference call with the with the media recently and like. I thought it was a decent level of um, – I know our colleague Therese Paler was tweeting out a thread about um, Colt's training camp. And, you know, he also said that Ballard's a pretty honest, like, straightforward guy. Mm-hmm. I, I do think maybe – it is a little like, did they botch another medical situation with their star quarterback? That's a little rough. But the long and short of it is we're now starting to see headlines and stuff like, hey, the Colts won't be in such bad shape if Andrew Luck has to miss games. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're already talking – we're talking Luck's going to miss games? I mean, we know he's going he's gonna to miss the rest of the preseason. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. sure. I mean, for sure. So it, the timetable, I mean, 
would you be surprised if he misses the entirety of September? I think the first three weeks are in question. Right. For sure. So, yeah. No, I wouldn't so surprise So, over, me. under I think the it's, entire yeah, first yeah, sure. quarter I, of the season. I think we could be seeing him in October, maybe. So, the question is, is that a, is that a disastrous Does it scenario matter? for the Colts? Well, well it certainly ma- one way or another it matters, but to what degree? I had someone tweet whether or not I'd still they'd still be feel, uh, feel comfortable drafting T.Y. Hilton over someone like Robert Woods, for example. And I said, you still take T.Y. I don't think that Brissett is such a bad replacement. And also, I have a lot of confidence in Frank Reich. I mean, if ever there were a coach <laughs> who took a backup quarterback and made him look absolutely excellent, given a surrounding cast of characters, Frank Reich is certainly the the blueprint for doing that. Yeah, I mean, like, the last time we saw Jacoby Brissett, it's worth... It's a different squad. Totally different. Like, yeah. not only are there play the players are different, the coach is different, as you mentioned. This ecosystem around him is very different. And even during that disaster level scenario last time we we were without Andrew Luck I feel I still thought Brissett equipped himself pretty well like I thought he showed himself to be one of the better backup quarterbacks acquitted himself you're right acquitted himself thank you Liz uh he definitely he definitely showed himself pretty well overall in my opinion I I, so I I don't think so have you downgraded T.Y. Hilton or Marlon Mack which are the main two pieces that people I think are concerned with. Mac, kind of. I have him right now. I really like Marlon Mack a lot, but right now I have him at running back 13 in tier five. Um, I have him behind, you know, guys like Aaron Jones, Damian Williams, those type of players. Also, it's worth noticing. I mean, it's worth noting that the biggest question with Mac is passing game usage. Last year, I think he can handle himself fine in the pass game, but they much preferred to use Naheem Hines last year in the passing game. And if that is the case this year, it's going to be more worrisome for him, you know, because the off- not only will the offense be worse without Andrew Luck, but they could be in more negative game scripts, and that means less of Marlon Mack on the field, you know, nursing big leads. So maybe he's a guy that you don't draft and you try to trade for, you know, the, the more time we get closer to Where do you to have Carrion Johnson if you have Marlon Mack at 13? I have Carrion Johnson at 14. So they're back-to-back. I have no, Marlon. Four, I have, well, I have Mack at 19. I have... um. Uh, you have Mac at 19? 19. Oh, you did move him down. I thought you said you had him at 13. No, I have him at 19. I have Leonard Fournette at 13. Oh. Uh, so tier four is Fournette, on Johnson, Damian Williams, Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon's kind of like, oh, boy, do you really want to do that to yourself? But tier five is where Mac comes in right after Derrick Henry. Interesting. I have on at 13. So that's right next year. I still have Mac at 11. I haven't been willing to move him down. Though now... Well, I'm not going to let you inset me just yet. I need more information. You know who can get us more information? Whomst. Our guest. Should we talk to him? Let us. We are shaking things up here on the Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast. We're joined by a guest, as promised, but no, not someone from inside the bubble. It is, in fact, Josh Norris of the Roto World Football podcast. Josh, thanks so much for coming on our show. Hello, beautiful people. How are you? Oh, I thought you just said beautiful and I didn't hear the people right away. And I was like, oh, you are more than welcome. You should come back next week. This is we I have a new co-host. Fantastic. Um, you know what? It is still a bubble we're in, but maybe just little separate bubbles inside a bigger bubble. It may, might be how I define it. Yeah, it's good to get out of the bubble every now and again. Uh, Josh, I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, this is going to be great. I, Josh is one of the people I actually consider a friend in the industry. IRL. I, IRL friend, Josh and I have uh, 
broken beers together. I mean, you know, I've broken any bottles or anything like that, but uh, we mixed it <laughs> yeah, up. It was in, a wild night. Yeah, I was, I was imagining the two of you suckleheads together must have just been off the chain. We, as had, the some, kids we had some say. other people there, too. You know, you never know. Oh, I mean, with you, Harmon, we don't. We never know. Oh, actually, we, we know quite often. We're, there's, yeah. Anyway, Josh, welcome to the show. We're excited you're here. We are going to burst some bubbles and put some players on notice, however, and we're going to start things off with a player that, you know, has been on notice for a while. This isn't shocking news, but Nelson Aguilar has been put on notice. The important piece of this is not, of course, about Nelson Aguilar, but about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who is wowing, apparently, in camp. The team seems very excited about him, per the Roto World blurbs that y'all are putting <laughs> out. Um, kid out of Stanford, rookie, nice contested catch player. Do you have any personal takes on him before I kick it to my wide receiver specialist uh, co-host, Matt Harmon, here? Yeah, I'll keep it short since Harmon's in the building. Uh, look, I have always considered J.J. Arcega-Wyside kind of the selection that was the year before Alshon Jeffrey leads the team, right? Because in many ways, they might be able to win in similar fashion. But like you said, Liz, if he continues to show promise, it will be difficult to keep someone like J.J. A.W. off the field in relation to a Nelson Aguilar because, I mean, I don't think you can take Deshaun Jackson out of this offense, mm. out of the lineup too often because he just offers a skill set that is totally different than Carson Wentz has ever had and the Eagles haven't had since, you know, Deshaun Jackson was on the roster. Yeah, this Eagles offense is really stocked with talent. And, you know, you can go – I think if uh, Arcega Whiteside is ready to make an impact as a rookie, that only makes me more and more interested in Carson Wentz, who I have as my QB3 in the top of my second tier. Um, because, QB3 overall? Yeah. You do? Yeah. That is bold, bro. I, I have him at QB10, and that's higher than anybody else on our staff. I'm really excited about Carson Wentz because you look at, like – these wide receivers, I, I really like Alshon Jeffrey this year. I love Deshaun Jackson as a value. I still think Aguilar, you know, even if he's on notice, I think he's probably their best option to play inside as the slot receiver because I think that's really the only place mm-hmm. that he can function. You can use Deshaun as a speed slot every now and again. And then if Arcega Whiteside's going to make an impact too, that only boosts the value of the wide receiver core. They go too deep at tight end with Dallas Goddard and obviously Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. They have a strong pass catching back maybe in Miles Sanders Sanders, emerging they have one of the best lines in the NFL and I yeah I think that Wentz if he's healthy he's he's one of my favorite quarterback values like when I'm doing best ball drafts and he's there at like the ninth tenth round I I pretty much fall in love with taking him every single time I feel like I've been hitting this point actually was wrong he's the Yahoo consensus QB 10 he's my QB 8 and I am the highest on him so Matt well done even higher and you're getting him in the eighth round the top of the eighth round but still available in the eighth round those are, I, I imagine, in like quote civilian drafts, he's going to go a little bit higher civilian because drafts. they. I don't know what else to call them. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like civilian drafts. No, they, I think that's the way we should uh, say because people say like, oh, you know, you're, you're casual. I don't know, actually. I don't know what's more. I say non-industry. Like I call ones oh, well. with people that are you know in the bubble industry drafts, and then other people are not. I mean, I could we could call them normies, but I like civilian. That gives them kind of like a little bit of dignity too, because I feel like when people are like, wow. oh, and you're in your casual leagues or whatever, makes you yeah, like, makes you sound like you're, you're like patronizing. just sitting on a sofa drinking beer, eating chips, and nothing else. Yeah. Like you don't know the fact that Nelson Aguilar has managed over ninety targets in back to back seasons. 
for instance. A civilian might know that, but a casual player? No. The casual player is too busy stuffing Doritos in their mouth or whatever. Josh, do you agree with the take that less this being about J.J. Arcega Whiteside, can we just call him Jaws? Like, I, I would just prefer, I know there is another Jaws in the football world, but he's In the old. Eagles football world, sure. too, by the way. So we're, I mean, he's uh, been canceled. All right, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not to give Matt too much credit here, because I don't want well, to do, do that starting from this first point, I think but I'm though. all in on Carson like Wentz that. this year as well. The issue, though, is just how deep this quarterback position is, but I mean, in every best ball draft that I'm doing, I can get quarterbacks that I absolutely love in round 10, round 11, round 12, whether it's Russell Wilson, Cam Mm -hmm. Newton, Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, and then circle back in that same draft with Lamar Jackson. I mean, Matt mentioned it. Rather than, you know, having to pick Deshaun Jackson's peak weeks or having to pick when which running back is going to be fantastic or rather pick. Um, Zach Ertz coming off such a promising year that career highs and targets and receptions. Why not just pick the quarterback at the helm of it all? I mean, that just makes total sense to me. Absolutely. So let's talk from Carson Wentz then to Chris Carson. That's how segues are done, Josh. I don't know if you if you know that as the host of a show, but that's how we do it here. Um, I want to talk about Rashad Penny kind of being on notice because despite the higher draft capital, and last year a lot of people got burnt, right, thinking that Carson would be pushed to the side and Penny because of the because of the Seahawks trading up to get him would be the premier guy. It wasn't the case. I felt like this year Penny might grow into a bigger role, especially with Doug Baldwin being out and those pass-catching opportunities be funneled towards Penny. But in fact, it looks like Petey Sunshine wants Carson. (laughs) (laughs) He wants Chris Carson to see 50-ish targets. That's bananas. Are we also sure that Chris Carson's body, which has never been the most durable of frames, can hold up to all of this potential um, opportunity? Well, what I am certain of is that Chris Carson is a better football player than Rashad Penny right now. And I'm I'm trying to exit every single draft that I'm in with Chris Carson. Right now he's going somewhere around running back 22. That's in that territory of Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs and Mark Ingram, a little bit before David Montgomery, Sonny Michelle, and James White. You know, a lot of people will ask, well, last year it might have been Chris Carson's peak, right? He was a top five rusher in the NFL. Okay, well, there are also 146 touches still on the table after Mike Davis's departure. I mean, people forget how much of an impact Mike Davis could make in segments of the game. Those 146 touches are going to be spread, if even evenly, between Carson and Penny. That makes me love, absolutely love Chris Carson as my second running back in a lot of drafts. Or my first running back if I do go wide receiver, wide receiver, or wide receiver tight end to start drafts. I'm still a little shook from PD Sunshine. That's some of your best work, uh, Liz. But yeah, I have I have Chris Carson projected for 45 targets, and that was before the whole like Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll really saying they want to make him a big part of the passing game. I do think his skill set can do that. And either way, I still like taking Rashad Penny in like the seventh round. This is the point, though, right? Because Carson is no longer one of those guys that you can get in the fifth to eighth round. Nah, he's, his ADP he's a is round. He, top of the fourth round. It's yeah. 4.01 in 12 team exercises. So, and you're right, Josh, he, uh, RB22, RB23. He's the RB23 Yahoo consensusly ranked. He's going about there as well. But I think when you look at the 534 rushing attempts that Seattle posted last year, there should be enough volume here for both guys. And I do like when I'm combining the youth and the fresh leggedness of Penny with. Carson's opportunity and, and past durability issues as the better value play at the end of the sixth round. 
Yeah, and one thing with the Seahawks, look, they're, every single year, there are so many changes across the NFL, right? Like new OCs come in, new offenses come in. Seattle, we know who they are. Mm-hmm. We know that they want to run the football maybe more than anyone in the NFL and then take deep vertical shots and use Tyler Lockett in the slot. That's fantastic. That's exactly what I want. I kind of – I don't know, though – if I feel comfortable enough spending a third or a fourth round pick on Chris Carson, then circling back with Rashad Penny in the seventh round. Oh, you got to um, either or that, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you got to either, either yeah, or. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Because I, I, I don't want, you know, complete control of this backfield. And if you give me one suggestion or, or one choice of the other, I will 100% take Chris Carson every Chris Same. Carson every single time. Same. Nah. You're, you're more on Penny than Carson. I'll take Carson. Penny's value over Carson. All right. Well, yep. yeah. All right. Well, I think someone that we're surprised based on the momentum that he had built up last year uh, that is fading this year is Dante Pettis. I mean, this guy was supposed to become the number one wide receiver, the number two target ostensibly behind George Kittle, right, in San Francisco. But ain't happening. Fools dropping passes. Jimmy Garoppolo's not looking his way. In fact, it is... Debo Samuel and to a larger extent Jalen Hurd who um, are getting most of the attention and buzz in 49ers camp and I have to say I'm surprised yes because we thought Pettis was ascending and Kyle Shanahan maintains that he has to quote compete for this for this job but something that Matt and I touched on when we were in Nashville for the NFL draft was Shanahan's obvious uh, infatuation with prioritizing of versatility from his players. And that's obvious. I mean, Jalen Hurd is the best example of this, right? As a converted running back at Tennessee to wide receiver at Baylor. And we've seen all the gadgety stuff that Debo Samuel, who I was very high on, could do coming out of South Carolina. So I guess the question is, are you buying that Pettis is not actually, is this some sort of like psychological coach toughening or are you not touching any of these guys? Yeah, this is a difficult that, one for me. Yeah. And, and Matt knows this. Like just two weeks ago, I was touting up Dante Pettis yeah. up in that same tier that he's going in right now. And like the Jarvis Landry, Alshon Jeffrey, Robbie Anderson, Christian Kirk, Sammy Watkins area. Like if Dante Pettis was on the board, I was taking him above all of them. Because mm-hmm. at the time, prior to training camp starting, I thought he had 1,000-yard potential. Heck, I thought he had 100-catch potential. But it's all been negative since. So like what do we do when we talk about these players each and every day? When we write about these players mm-hmm. each and every day and kind of become attached? to one, their situation, but two, also the talent. And like, it's not like Dante Pettis did not play at all, right? I believe he averaged somewhere between 12 to 15 to 18 points, depending on your scoring, down the stretch of last season. Like, this is a proven commodity, much more proven than a lot of other players that we are touting up this offseason. And to your point, Liz... I know that Debo Samuel has yards after catch capability and can play multiple spots. I know that we've heard the same thing with Jalen Hurd, including playing some tight end. But just 365 days ago, Kyle Shanahan was saying the exact same thing about Dante Pettis, that he could play on the outside, he could play in the slot, he was practicing at all three positions. I do wonder, to your point, how much of this is a motivation tactic? Mm-hmm. How much of this is for him to go on the field and try to win that primary receiver role? But I'm not sure if he has to. I still think... I think he's a, a starting receiver on this team, and I'm, I'm very happy, you know, if he drops from whatever round six, round seven to round nine, and I will still absolutely draft him at, at, at that value. 
I guess I'm also a little bit concerned, Matt, and let me know what you think about this. The fact that we saw Pettis ascend with Nick Mullins under center, and I don't put too much credence into the whole rapport building thing, but the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't looking his way, and Garoppolo hasn't been good in camp, frankly, according to reports at all, which is concerning in a whole nother way because I really thought he'd take a leap this this year or the leap that we expected him to take two years ago pre-injury. I wish I would see more reports about Pettis and Garoppolo working together on the sidelines more. Two points. That's missing. Yeah, two points. One, Jimmy Garoppolo has been as bad this camp or throwing as many picks this camp as Patrick Mahomes threw last camp. So, I mean, it's worth noting. So, grain of salt. Yeah, it's grain of salt. But your point about rapport is interesting because, you know, I I keep bringing this up as why I like Marquise Goodwin as a late round pick. But, Mm -hmm. you know, remember that end of 2017 season, that rapport really clicked between Goodwin and Garoppolo. So maybe there's something to that. But overall, still really like Pettis as a player. Um, I know that a few beat writers have have put that you know they the Shanahan beach writers beat writers or the beach writers you know they're they're coming back from the beach now at this point they got to be they got to be out on the field you know it's not beach season anymore it's football season um I think that the the real situation here is that I think that this is probably a motivational tactic as you and the beat writers have sort of guessed at uh I know that Shanahan really does believe that Pettis is is very talented and I, I think he is too Josh like I don't disagree with your assessment of him as a player at all. I think he really showed really strong route running potential as a rookie. You you have to adjust expectations, right? I moved him out of that tier with guys like Christian Kirk, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and he's in my like tier six of wide receivers now as wide receiver 34. So still totally down to draft him in like the eighth round. But yeah, yeah, I was taking him in like the sixth round beforehand. So I'm not, I haven't given up all hope, but you have to adjust a little bit. But and and just if there isn't any more positivity, you know, this preseason since August 1st, he's already dropped about 12 or 13 spots in terms of ADP. That's a so, full round then. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of dis- and look, if every negative preseason ended in a bad season, if every positive preseason ended in a good season, this game would be so much easier than. Yeah. This, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at some point you have to kind of believe in the talent. And believe in the situation because the situation is absolutely there for the taking. And especially if you want to stack somehow a potential breakout offense. And I think the 49ers, because they can come quite cheap if you nail George Kittle in round two or round three, then that could be potential potentially there. But it certainly doesn't help, you know, when the beat writers do hype up Jalen Hurd and Marquise Goodwin and Debo Samuel practice after practice, preseason game after preseason game. And then Dante Pettis is there with zeros next to his number. So. Matt, you put this next name on the on the outline. I, I'm not quite sure why, other than zeros being the perfect way to talk about him. <laughs> Sammy Watkins is practicing today, so so that's something neat. I mean, he's I, on notice for why he's on notice because I still don't know why he's going in that tier that like Josh. That's gotta same. be, but that's right. You don't think that that's just not ADP catching up to Tyreek's. Still, it's gross. It's It's, really gross. That's got to be a... I mean, I feel like that's a false indicator. I think that that's definitely a factor for why he's still that high. But, like, I I have him... I have Sammy Watkins down at, like, wide receiver 43 in a tier... At the bottom of the tier of... Dante Pettis, Emmanuel Sanders. You know, I don't. I want to take all these guys over Sammy Watkins. Like, he's right on that fringe of tier six for me. And tier seven begins the guys like Dante Moncrief, Kenny Stills, Deshaun Jackson. I think you could make an argument of any of those guys bumping Watkins out of that 
tier six of wide receivers for me. So I, I still see him being drafted as like a high three or a low two. And like, what's the why? Like, what what are we doing here? Number one, Sammy Watkins. If you don't, if you still think he's like this mega talented receiver, that's just you know, like give me a break, let it go. It's not going to happen. Don't yell at me. I don't. I'm have not him yelling there. at you, Liz, but you're just the only one in the room. What am I supposed to yell at Brett? I can't yell at Josh. He's I mean, on you the should phone. see him, Josh. Like he's staring, he's glaring at me as if I have decided <laughs> that Sammy Watkins should be some MVP style candidate. I have to, I have to glare at somebody. I, I have to be <sighs> I'm, I'm used to it. Okay. So I think that with Sammy Watkins, like he is, it's he is an is what he is player at this point. Like he gets excuse after excuse after excuse, but. The bottom line is he's had one good season, 2015. That's 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 it. Other than that, he's been, you know, solid. He's he's still good after the catch. If you can get him a free release, he's fine. But I thought his tape was bad last year. His reception perception wasn't very good. And again, yeah, he's great as the like the fact that the Chiefs have him as their you know what, like fourth or third option in the passing game, that's real cool. But for fantasy, I just can't imagine a scenario where we're ever going to really want to rely on Do you think it's just because him. he's attached to this offense? And so the thought is they can have any piece of the Chiefs offense is, is a winning piece. And generally, I think that way, like with these great offenses, I totally get that line of thinking. But Hill is such a volume commander. Kelsey is such a volume commander. I think whoever lines up in the backfield on a weekly basis is going to command volume. I think Nicole. Oh, P.S. Do you see that Carlos Hyde is being left off of some projected 53-man roster? So that little moment of burn is up and over. Yeah, Yeah, Damian Williams is... Josh, are you are you a, a Damian Williams guy? Well, first, let me say uh, with Sammy Watkins, like I'm not even sure if he's good at football anymore. That's what and, I'm like, saying. It's 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 a major question. It's a totally real question. And I'll go on a limb and say I would not be shocked. Like it's in the realm of possibility that Miko Hardman has more production at the end of the season than Sammy Watkins does. That's like, what I was just going to say. I was just going to say, what what if Miko Hardman is a- ahead of Watkins on the depth chart by the end of the year? I, well, I wouldn't rule that out. He looks more explosive right now in preseason than Watkins has looked in like, you know, since I was in like freaking high school. Totally. Totally. The, the issue with Demi Williams, like, look, if there is one back that is a feature back on the Chiefs, which more or less and most likely will be the number one offense in the NFL, we want that back, right? There's a difference, though, in drafting him in the second round, which he was going in quite often, mm-hmm. versus now maybe the end of the third round. Like, that, that's great. The issue also is that in the regular season, he has never had more than, I believe, 50 carries. Now, he did have 35 carries in, I believe, what, two or three games last year in the postseason. Fantastic. Um, I just don't know what to think of this situation right now. Like, if you place him at the end of that running back ADP group, because right now he's going right after Nick Chubb and Melvin Gordon around that on Johnson, Leonard Fournette territory, I, I think I would prefer on above him him. Mm-hmm. But like Leonard Fournette, questions. Aaron Jones, questions. Devontae Freeman, questions. Marlon Mack, questions. Like, then I will feel confident taking Damian Williams because of that situation. And because we have heard some quotes and read some quotes on RotoWorld.com saying that this is our feature back from Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, despite kind of going against those as well as the training camp rolls around. So I actually came with a put on notice nominee and his name is Jarvis Landry, who's currently going as the wide receiver 28. And this is why he should be put on notice, because let me ask you both this. When was the last time Jarvis Landry did not lead his team in targets during the NFL season? 
his rookie year and even his, his rookie year. I don't I don't even know that that's the yeah, case. It's his rookie year. That's 2015. He had 112 targets and Mike Wallace had 115 targets. The last few years, I'll go through these quickly. In 2019, he had 149 targets. Next best, 88 targets. 2018, 161 targets. Yep. Second place, 105. Go on and go on down the list, right? What I'm basically getting at is... Basically, Jarvis Landry is that version of when you go to a decent restaurant and you just want to order whatever is the most food there, even if it's not very good food. Okay, and so you went to Chili's. Yes, exactly. And you just order the biggest portion that they have just because you want to be full because, you know, no matter what you have is going to be great. It's not going to be great. But it's not and even now, that because that comes at a value like the bottomless chips oh, and salsa right. is cheap AF. It's so you're, you're bad, exactly though. Right. It's so good. It's so but for bad. the money, you're like, sure, this is consumption. I can. Uh, I have, right. But that's not what you're getting with Jarvis Landry. Right? And that's your point. You got to pay up for it. And I mean, Jarvis Landry going in that wide receiver 28 territory is around Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey, Robbie Anderson. I mean, Will Fuller, Corey Davis. Like, this is someone that, to me, has no shot. No shot. It would be a crime. It would be a travesty if he leads in targets on the Cleveland Browns over a healthy Odell Beckham. And I, I just do not see that happening. And we already know who Jarvis Landry is without being that vertical element that he started last season with. And we saw at the end of the season, he was averaging like seven targets, four catches, and like 50 yards during the final eight games with Freddie Kitchens as the play caller. Yeah, it's real gross. Landry is a, a receiver pick that I haven't made once or been interested in making at any point during the offseason. I have him personally at wide receiver 38. Yep. And, you know, that's in tier six with guys like he's after Emmanuel Sanders, Marvin Jones, Dante Pettis, Corey Davis, Sterling Shepard, frickin' Didi Westbrook. And then he pops in there right before Tyrell Williams, Jarvis, or I mean, Tyrell Williams and John Brown. So, yeah, no, I, I think I'm with you on this one. All right. Well, you also I, I want to talk. Well, let, let's jump from people being on notice. It's a little bit harsh. And let's talk about, um, well, potentially an entire division that's on notice. Yeah. Um, the AFC South. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Jags first. Uh, you mentioned, Josh, since you're the guest, I'll let you begin. You mentioned their questions being around Leonard Fournette. I think we all know what those questions are after the soft tissue issues he had last year and the ankle issue that he had in college and another one he had his rookie season. But I also feel like this is a phrase that Matt uses a lot and I have uh, absconded with because I think it's quite good, a range of possible outcomes here, which the questions are, yes, uh, certainly prevalent. But when you look at his value and his range of possible outcomes, there is some upside here. There is. I just don't know if I feel confident drafting Leonard Fournette at all. And it's not just the injuries that you mentioned. It's also how he finished the season. Like, you remember he and Tom Coughlin had to have like the sit down meeting just for him to stay on the roster. And that was like six months ago. Yeah, but I mean, how often that happens like in every office, America wide. It was just what was bizarre about it was that I mean, it's Tom Coughlin, so it's actually right. not that bizarre. But, like, the fact that they had to, like, put out a statement about his, like, week 17. You know, that was one of those things where, like, remember one week in week 17 when he was inactive and TJ Yeldon was, like, over there just kind of sitting on the bench with mm-hmm. him. And then they put out that scathing statement, like, you know, railing on both of those guys. And it was just like, dude, if you had never put that statement out there, like, no one's talking about this story. Like, you could have just left that one alone. It was a it was a bizarre series well, of and, events. And it also to the point where he got benched. Like, they were yeah. using a seven. 
seventh round player that was cut from the Denver Broncos as their lead running back because he was being more effective than Leonard Fournette was. Like, this is also an offense that I know had a lot of issues last year. And Blake Bortles was a problem. Offensive line injuries was also a problem. But one, like, how much can Nick Foles really improve an offense? Well, I mean, how, much the, can, how much can Flip improve this offense? It's a fair question, and I don't think I have the answer to that, you know, and and I'm just totally nervous that Leonard Fournette is still riding off being a top five draft pick in the NFL and not so much of what he has done in the last 365 days of NFL action to, to you know, have this ADP as a sum of that collection of production and really tape that he put on the field. I just think when you look at the opportunity in the offense, it's going to be conservative. And you look at the lack of depth behind him there. I understand, like I owned him last year. Being burnt is certainly, (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm still, um, you know, recoiling from the pain of it. But I also feel like you got to move on at a certain point. And if his opportunity is good and the depth is good. I'm open to his current price tag. Yeah. Yeah. So, Liz, can I ask you this? Because there are a lot of names around there that have feature back status as well. Like Devontae Freeman has that. Marlon Mack has that. Mark Ingram has that. Josh Jacobs has that. Are you going to take Leonard Fournette over all those names? I would take him over Devonta Freeman. Ooh, yeah. I would not. Um, I would not take him over Carrion Johnson or Marlon Mack. Yeah. And so that's like the area where people are choosing from, right? Because yeah. Carrion's ADP is above him right now. And Devontae, Marlon Mack. I mean, we talked about him at the start of this. It, this is crazy because he's going about seven spots later at the position. I'm taking Chris Carson over Leonard Fournette, and I'm feeling okay about it. <sighs> no, 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 no. That, that's, I mean, can, let's draft, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that, you can have him. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm really high on Devonta Freeman, it seems like, uh, from this conversation. I have him in my uh, tier three of running backs uh, between Joe Mixon and Todd Gurley. I'm really high on Freeman, so let's remove him from the conversation. Are you high on – so this is a question because you can be high on a player. I'm high on Devonta Freeman because I like his value right now, but I am not. You're going to draft, draft him ahead of – who did you just say? I have him between Joe Mixon and Todd Gurley in my third tier wow, running back. So he's you really do. running back 11. I mean, this is a guy who is like a former top overall scoring running back. He has had competition removed from his backfield. And I believe that this is going to be a really strong offense. I mean, on paper, it's hard not to project him as one of the top 12 running backs in fantasy right now. Uh-huh. Obviously, with the caveat of if he stays healthy. But you could also say that about plenty of these other Tier 3 running backs. Todd Gurley's in Tier 3. Dalvin Cook is in Tier 3. So I think if if, if Devonta Freeman stays healthy, he's, he's in for a huge opportunity, and he's a good player. But back on Leonard Fournette, I have met running back 13, Tier 4, at the top of Tier 4. So I'm, I'm in on Leonard Fournette. I'm, I think I'm overall with you, Liz. All right. Well— should we move on to the Titans? Because I don't think there's anything else in Jacksonville we really want to discuss. Is yeah, that no one fair? Cares. No one cares about the passing game. Do we want to talk about the Titans, though? Because, like, yeah, why? <laughs> okay, wait, no, well, let's can... talk about Derrick Henry. Let's talk about both of the running backs, by Well, the don't way. you steal my Deion Lewis takes. You already did this on Twitter the other day. <laughs> All right, fine. I won't. But uh, Derrick Henry is still a player I love. Uh, I'm a little nervous about this, about this injury situation. Um, but he is, I think he has in his range of possible outcomes, uh, leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Cause I think the Titans. So did Vegas. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah. I, Cause I think the Titans could push to lead the NFL in rush attempts this year. Titans fans, by the way, 
off with Titans fans. Titans fans are allowed on this podcast. Are like the like they're they're so on my radar because GFY because I because I tweeted about <laughs> Brett's face is bright red. <laughs> I just <laughs> I, like I think this he was what's so annoying to me right now is I tweeted about Dion Lewis being like undervalued yesterday uh, yesterday and which I can't or two days ago and I can't believe number one that it got like a hundred people responded to that which was like why are you all this fired up about a Dion Humble Lewis break. take in the year 2019 what are what are we doing but the thing that pissed titans fans off the most because they're all they all have this mariota complex it's like they're they're they they can't get over the fact that this is not going to work out with marcus mariota they were the most tilted about the fact that i suggested that the titans could be the most run heavy team in the nfl you rats you were the second most run heavy team last year so get off my back titans fans are so on my radar right now and i i I can't anyways but i like derrick henry so you're still you're not afraid of Derrick Henry, but I am imagining part of the reason Deion Lewis has come into your consciousness is because of Derrick Henry's injury. And then you looked back and you were like, oh, hey, Deion Lewis is actually quite good. He is one of these guys who can catch out of the backfield and 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 run to the edge and also beat tackles on the inside. And, oh, he evaded 62 of those tackles, 3.9 per game in 2018, while also managing a catch rate of 88 percent, which was the RB1 for that statistical catch. Category. Yeah. Also, he's cheap as hell. He's- and also, he is cheap as hell. That's the 13th round he's going in. But if I am Marcus Mariota and I have a proclivity towards being injured and my O-line has questions with my blind spot being not protected particularly well for at least the first month of the season, and I'm Arthur Smith, I'm going to tell my quarterback to check it down, get that ball out fast. And that means a lot of opportunity for Deion Lewis. Does that sound crazy to you, Josh? I just don't know what to think about this Titans offense at all. Well, you know? it's crap. And it's not. We're not I mean, the, the, it, yes, you're right. That's why they're <laughs> focusing on the running backs. Like, Right. Well, I mean, and I agree with you. Like, I would rather take Deion Lewis as running back 45 than Derrick Henry as running back 19. Totally with you on that. But the issue, I mean, it goes back to what the identity of this offense is. And I drafted Deion Lewis everywhere heading into last year. And he had his moments. But then somehow... Matt LaFleur was able to get a head coaching job with ever, without, without ever ex- establishing an identity of this offense. And it finally happened in like week 12, week 14 on, and it was give the ball to Derrick Henry 25, 30 times a game. Maybe that happens this year, but we haven't seen or really at all Derrick Henry practice. What I kind of am intrigued by, and maybe this is me just, you know, getting excited about what happens in the first round of the preseason, is Adam Humphreys seeing like 12 targets in the first in just one series. And maybe that speaks to who Marcus Mariota is as a passer. But with Adam Humphreys being drafted as like wide receiver 63, I'll plug him in when the draft rolls around there. And honestly, that might be the only other than Deion Lewis, the only Titan at cost that I'm really excited about at that value. Well, we, I mean, we don't know if um, Delaney Walker, he says he's going to play. He's kind of practicing. We don't know. Where's he at? AJ Brown, where he at? Corey Davis, we've talked about on this show and we're not, we're fading him. So, I mean, I'm not touching Adam Humphreys. Not when Spencer Schnell is available on his please, old team. Please, please, no, no more, <laughs> Schnell, no more Schnell talk. No more Schnell talk. Um, for, so from one strained calf to another, let's talk oh. about the Colts. But we actually already discussed Andrew Lux. You don't know that, Josh, since you're entering the show um, after the opening. So, give us your Colts takes minus Andrew Luck. No small task, I know. Well, I think actually, and sorry, Matt, this is going to be some PTSD. I like Devin Punches' <laughs> value as wide receiver 53. No, I, get I, really I get it. I Josh get it. Josh can be on the show every week. This is fantastic. 
And it's because <laughs> you like we want breakout offenses, you know, yeah. like the Titans. I, I don't really want value. I don't want to be have any exposure to that. The Colts, there can be a lot. And what didn't Eric Ebron have like 14 touchdowns last year? Like that's going to completely yeah. regress yeah. no matter what. And Devin Funches is a talented football player. Like he has a season where he has a pretty good amount of catches near a thousand yards and like eight touchdowns. That's great. And last year, outside of T.Y. Hilton, this team had Chester Rogers out there. They had some guy named Zach Pascal. Um, Dontrell Inman. Hello. Dontrell Inman, who's fine. But I'm excited about Devin Funches, kind of, which is Never crazy to guy. say, as wide receiver 53. And if he stinks, he's not getting any looks. I cut him after three weeks. And honestly, if Paris Campbell didn't get hurt in the preseason, and if we got to see him in action, then I kind of like him as wide receiver 63 as well. Yeah, it's like I project the Titans to lead the NFL in rush attempts. I project the Colts to lead the Well, you know, Andrew Luck notwithstanding. I before this all happened, I thought they could lead the NFL in pass attempts. So yeah, naturally, I am with you that this is an offense that I think we want to be interested in the ancillary receivers. I liked Funches a lot. I like I kind of like him even more now that Paris Campbell has been injured because that rookie missing time and everything like that. And it's just th- this Colts offense is theoretically. And that's important, theoretically, stocked with a lot more players uh, than it was last year. Funches is interesting. Campbell, if he's healthy, is interesting. The three tight ends, you know, Mo Ali Cox is getting. Oh, popped. he's looking good. He's again been getting buzzed since the spring. Former basketball player. Hello. Uh, Eric Ebron is uh, he's going to regress, but he's still there. Going to get volume. Jack Doyle is practicing, despite the fact he lost like 80 pounds or something, you know, from his little kidney situation. He did like the opposite of Ryan Fitzpatrick at kids birthday parties. Because Ex- Jack Doyle yeah. is definitely a dad. Yeah. And Naheem Hines is is still there to catch sure. passes out of the backfield too. So I think there's a lot of options here. So, I mean, please, Andrew Luck, please play football. All right. <laughs> the Houston Texans are the last team to discuss in this division. There's so much non-fantasy stuff to discuss with the Texans because oh B.O.B. Yeah. is just, B.O.B. thinks he's the G.O.D. of the uh, whole it. situation. Um, I can't, can you just, I don't believe they're not going to try to get Trent Williams. Well, that's Given that line, they, and they, they need have a great a Matt Khalil there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a bananas to me. Yeah, and they're going to give up a third. Oh, I already talked about this in the last show. The it, third round pick for a running back. I think back. they're doing the whole like Dwayne Brown burnt thing, but I, I just think it's been. Why would you do this to Deshaun Watson, who's already torn his ACL? I, I don't know. Anyway, that's that's another that's a separate thing. So, um, Kiki Cutie's hurt. Um, Will Fuller could ascend. He'll eventually be hurt. Right. I was just about to say. <laughs> There's no tight ends on this, or there's 400 tight ends, and none of them are any damn good on this roster. And still, um, Deshaun Watson will pull out, what, a top three quarterback performance out of his ass? It's still nuke and nothing, right? I, I really— I know you like Will Fuller, I so really go for like it. Will Fuller because I'm, so an, because I'm an idiot. I have him at, like, the top of Tier 5, ahead of, like, Kenny Galladay, Alshon Jeffrey. I know he's, I, I he's going to get hurt. Top of Tier 5? I know he's going to get hurt, but here's the thing. If he doesn't— He's a so monster. So you have to assume health in your the thing, projections. The, the thing true. is, the thing is, though, I'm actually, I'm actually discounting him by putting him at like wide receiver twenty three. Because if he plays, he's going to outkick that most. He's going to have like seventeen touchdowns. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> I mean, he's going to he's a he's a great deep threat. He's an ideal wide receiver three that, that's probably going to score within the top fifteen if he's healthy. So, so the thing is, he's going in like the thirties, which I think is just too big of a discount for the upside that he 
presents if he plays, say, 13 games as opposed to say six. 11 is what I was going to say. Five, yeah, I mean, 11. either way. But yeah, so I'm, but especially, and if Kiki Cutie, poor guy is hurt, obviously. And also, I think Duke Johnson coming in dings him a little bit too, mm-hmm. because, yep. I mean, they gave up a damn third round pick for Duke Johnson. You think they're going to use him. And he's going to be some of those same short targets. So, Josh, who do you have as your number one wide receiver overall, Nuke or Devontae? Who? I'll go. I'll go. God, it's either one. But DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, just because. Wrong answer. Yeah, I do. I'm just interested in this because because Matt has um, posited that if Will Fuller were to stay healthy and Kiki Cutie were to return to health, or let's say that Duke Johnson gets some of those receptions, then the volume won't be as static as we have seen it Hmm. be for Nuke. And therefore, Devontae has an opportunity to pull ahead by a hair. Well, Am that's I why right? I like having this show, because I learn new things. Uh, I will say this. I think if everything goes according to plan and, like, this offensive line is okay, and even if it's not, I, I think there's an easy case to be made that Deshaun Watson ends this season as the quarterback one. Yep. Sure. No, I totally – I have him and Patrick Mahomes in my tier one alone as as He's my QB three. Yeah, and, and just – yeah, the nuke argument, Liz – Nailed it perfectly. Projections wise, I had I have uh, Nuke as six in the NFL in targets because I think if you give if you give, which is probably not going to happen, but if you give Will Fuller sixteen games worth of volume, and you give Kiki Cutie sixteen games worth of volume, and you give Duke Johnson sixteen games worth of volume, that comes down to Nuke as about six in the NFL targets. Most likely he'll be up there in like the four range. But Adams I have leading the NFL in looks because I don't think anybody else in this Green Bay offense is going to work out. I think. Well, this is not the NFC North preview, so we're going to move on. We did. We're going to let Josh plug his stuff. And in terms of my, I mean, I have you in tier one of non-Yahoo talent coming to guest on the pod. Don't tell the fantasy footballers. Oh, I can barely remember their names. We just had some of the Yahoo people over uh, on our podcast and actually a a YouTube show. It was a live 16-round draft. Uh, Scott Pianowski was there. Some jerk named Andy Behrens was on. So if you guys want to go and download the Rotor World Football podcast, that's on there as well. And also, you know, we've got draft guides. We've got season passes. Just go to rotorworld.com slash draft guide as well. Uh, Matt and Liz, thanks so much for having me on. I had a blast talking with you. Oh, thank you so much, Josh. It was was great to have you. And uh, I think, I mean, you, you made Liz feel good so that's nice that's what the show's all about oh is it yeah uh you should also go follow josh norris on twitter at josh norris that's j-o-s-h-n-o-r-r-i-s thank you so much josh have a wonderful day win big this season thanks well that was fun i had a good time talking to josh did you have a good time liz best time ever well i know about best time ever but it was a nice time i will say i feel i feel a little bit bad about the what i said about titans fans a little bit bad I don't feel super bad, but I thought F off was kind of harsh. Like, I probably could have said, like, give me a break or something like that. Still used an F word, but maybe not directly spat it at them. I thought you stuck to your takes. Backing away from them now? Mm, No, not takes. Sometimes emotions can get the best of you. Man, I remember spending some time with you and you, Liz, in Nashville, and I thought the Titans fans were quite accommodating. That's Honestly, Brett, that's what made me feel bad about it. Oh, okay. Their is, pizza sucks. They're not that was good. just the one place. <laughs> well, well, the I one don't know. Place. I don't know. If I'm, I'm going to Nashville, I'm not messing with they their pizza. They were so excited about Jeffrey Simmons. Is that who they got? Yeah, Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought the people of Nashville were very accommodating, and I thought it was a nice city, and I felt a little bit, again, let me just emphasize, a little bit bad, because Titans fans are definitely annoying online. I will say that. Get a new logo, then we can talk. 
Boom. I love it, Brett. Anyways, it's voicemail time. You can call a voicemail line 888-85-YAHOO. First voicemail is a quick one from a, a very troubled young man. Oh. Good evening. My name is Leo Simonis from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I actually have some advice for you guys. I think Brad Evans needs to be on some more episodes. You guys did great on the last pod. Keep it going. You know. <laughs> so Brad is like paying people in Canada to call yeah, now? Yeah, right. Can you PayPal people in Canada? Because I think that's what he doesn't Venmo. He refuses to Venmo because that's too much for him. Wait, Brad refuses to Venmo? Yeah, he PayPals only. What is he like? What is this, 1985? It's almost like he's break. listening to Steely Dan and Hall and Oates. I mean, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I will say this. I think Brad does bring great energy. Um, I and disagree. He, I think, well, okay. <laughs> let, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Brad brings a lot of energy. I don't know that he, like when, if we're talking energy, like he brings a lot of enthusiasm or brings good enthusiasm, he definitely brings good enthusiasm. But if we're talking energy as in like crystals and sage and all that, like he doesn't bring good that all the time. You know what I mean? How did you just jump to crystals and sage? I don't know. I'm sitting here drinking kombucha. I'm a new man. What are you talking about? Oh, God. Well, thank you for the call, Leo. Appreciate the feedback on the show. I mean, it is Matt and Liz's show. But we'll we'll have Brad we'll on. Certainly we'll certainly consider we'll, it. We'll have yeah. Brad on throughout the season. I promise you that. Thank you for calling from uh, Canada. All right. We have hey, a, hey, Brad. What's up? For that voicemail, why don't you just fade that noise? Oh! Nice. All right. We actually do have a real question. Here we go. Hey, folks. Love the podcast. Love the show. And I won't at you, bro. But I have a question. I'm very concerned about Todd Gurley this year. Obviously, he's a stud, but he's got the arthritis on the knee, well-documented. So how much value and when and where do Malcolm Brown, John Kelly, and, of course, Henderson, the rookie, fit into tempering the season for the knee? I think Henderson has value late in the year, but I think Malcolm Brown to start the year is, is going to be the guy. What are your thoughts on that? And thank you for your time. Bye. Confusing as to why he brought up John Kelly in this equation since he doesn't matter. But um, I think other than that, it, this is a really good question because I just put out my running back tears, Liz. And oh, how perfect. I was just really having to ponder this question because where right now, where are you taking Todd Gurley right now in drafts? Well, right now, Matt, he is my... Running back 12. Oh, me too. Wow. Wow. Same wavelength. I have him at the bottom of my third tier behind uh, Devonta Freeman. and But I have him ahead of Fournette, on Johnson, Damian Williams, all those guys. Like, look, because 12 is a huge discount based on what Todd Gurley was. And I think there's a, a few things that we have to accept with Gurley. He's never going to see that same workload again, right? Nope. I think that... Even the touchdown, like, and he's not going to be like the same per touch ceiling guy because some of the, it's like some natural regression will hit there too. The thing I worry about with Gurley is that he might be a hot starter and a slow finisher or a slow starter and a big finisher, but which is like, which is it? I've heard the let's save him for the postseason theory. And I think that's a fine theory until Matt, something you've said before, the game start. Yeah. And then. When you're just trying to win games to get to the postseason, you turn, I mean, most coaching stats re- staffs revert to the like, well, we'll worry about that when. Mm-hmm. And they did with C.J. Anderson, right? Like that became a stopgap. A stopgap will present itself if and when we have the fortune of that problem, right? So 
I just don't imagine. I I mean, I, I don't really see him being a hot finisher because I don't think the Rams are going to have that luxury Yeah, with I, the backs that they have at their disposal. I mean, they have a rookie and he's great. And then we've also talked about Malcolm Brown and his pass catching ability. And this is a this is a player, again, that could have gone to the Lions, but the Rams chose to sign the um, offer sheet, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And match it. So clearly they have a plan for him. They like him. And we know what Sean McVay did with Chris Thompson. That was supposed to be when he was in Washington and that was supposed to be the Lance Dunbar role until Dunbar got hurt, right? So there's, you have to also imagine that Todd Gurley's number of targets via the passing game is going to decrease. And McVay's been running a lot of two tight end sets in in training camp. Mm -hmm. And Gerald Everett has an opportunity. I'm not messing with him necessarily in too many drafts. Maybe he'll stream, but I do have to imagine that he's going to take a bit of a leap. He'll see more targets. He's earned that workload. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, I I think with Gurley, you have to worry about so many different things that I get it if you just want to completely take him off off your draft board. Um, But look, if he's there at the beginning of the third round, end of the second round, which is where I view this this sort of tier drop off. Like if if Freeman is at that two, three turn, I take him every single time. Gurley, right around that same value, you know, in my tiers or whatever, but he he still gives me a little bit of pause. What about Daryl Henderson, though? Are you, dra- are you drafting Daryl Henderson where he goes, you know, in the eighth round type range? He's, he's, his price has come down a little bit, I think, because the girly news has been a little bit more positive. And, you know, people have maybe just started to realize like, oh, I don't know that we need to be taking the second back on this team in the fifth round or whatever. But. So I think it's hard for people to conceptualize, are you taking him in the eighth, right? Because who are the other players available at the same time? And who's on your team too? Like what's your roster construction? If I am not focusing on wide receiver and I'm focusing on running back, I think I'd prefer to take Royce Freeman okay. at a similar price than Daryl Henderson, because this is a show me like I want to see something I I, I think you wrote in your drum beats one of your drum beat articles a couple of weeks ago like he'd done a whole damn nothing Mm -hmm. it's him and Damian Harris I view very similarly Um, Damian Harris is significantly cheaper cheaper yes for sure I actually have Harris a little bit ahead of Henderson but they're in tier they're in the same tier for me three round difference yeah but that so that should say that I'm higher on Harris. I just view them similarly in like opportunity. In a, yeah, in opportunity. Bec- and also I look at them like these are two backs, two two good players I think coming out of college number 1. Number 2, they're two backs on good offenses behind starters, quote unquote, mm-hmm. with uh bad knee situations. Yeah, I think we've made this point. We've made this point. And and uh, but the thing and also like then use top both teams, both contending teams didn't spend a top 100 pick on these guys to just have no plans for them. So there is a situation where they have unclear roles and there's no usability week to week. But I think there's other situations exist where they have very clear defined roles and you can figure them out week to week and try to guess game scripts, all that type of stuff. And then if an, if chaos hits their backfield and these two backfields are particularly you know, kind of exposed to chaos because of the knee situations, then you've really hit big. So it's roster construction dependent, but but the fact that Harris is cheaper leads me towards him. And if I'm looking at the eighth round and we've talked time and time again about how running backs between five and eight are really thin and Curtis Samuel's going at the exact same place as Daryl Henderson, and I'm employing a best player available strategy, then I'm not messing 
with Henderson anyway. Yeah. Henderson's been a guy I haven't been. You can drop him in the first. Like, I just feel like you're going to draft him. And then I don't think he's going to pop until later in the season. And so then you're going to end up finding him off of the waiver wire. There's Nick Chubb. Last year's Nick Chubb. Yeah, last year's Nick this Chubb. This year's Nick Chubb. That is my guy, by the way. If we are having my guy, my guys, Nick Chubb, I think, is my guy for season yes. for the season. Where do you have him ranked? Matt, I mean, really high. I just said he was my guy. We can do my guys like next week or something like that. He's my RB6. Nice. Yeah. On paper, in my heart, he's like RB5. Sick. (laughs) All right. So that is going to be our show for today. You can leave us a voicemail and we will try to answer your questions. You can do that, as Brett said, at 888-85-YAHOO. We'll be back on Tuesday with another show. Lots of fresh new content. Matt, you still have rookie orientation going? Yeah, we got Kyler Murray this week. Hello. Big, sexy episode. Be sure to check that out. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Individually, you can follow us at Liz Loza underscore FF and at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We out and um, have a great weekend, guys. 